Good morning, church family. Eleanor here, um, and we're going to be having a look at our final part of Philippians today. So I'm just going to read the passage for us to begin with, and then we'll see what we can learn from it. So this is, I'm just going to home in on um, Philippians 4 verses 10 to 13. Um, you can read the rest of the passage kind of from 10 down to 23 um, and see what you make of it as well. What I really felt we needed to focus on this morning was 10 to 13. So I'm going to read those bits. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am um, in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in need, and I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now I'd like to introduce to you uh, someone who's joining me this morning. This is my creative uh, adaptation of Paul. Uh, so this is Paul, the writer of Philippians, and I have created him in a grey ensemble. I feel that he's the sort of person who would commit wholeheartedly to wearing one colour all the time. Um, so I've given him grey. And um, are you going to help us this morning, Paul? No, nothing. Okay. Well, we'll see. So this is Paul. And the reason I've brought him along is so that um, we can maybe have a bit of a conversation about how we feel about Paul. And I know when we're reading scripture, we often don't necessarily emotionally engage, <clears throat> excuse me, with certain things, um, or we just don't see that as necessarily a relevant way of learning from the Bible. But this morning I really felt that we need to emotionally engage in what Paul is saying in this part of Philippians. So I thought I would maybe explain slightly my um, thoughts on Paul or relationship with Paul if you like. Um, so when I was given the passage for this morning and realised that it was obviously a letter from Paul, I did think, oh, great because Paul is in my top five. Now you might be thinking okay top five inspirational characters in the Bible, top five um, heroes of the faith, well no definitely not. Paul is in my top five most irritating people in the Bible, maybe top five people that kind of say things that really grate on me a little bit so we are going to engage with that and I've brought Paul along so that you know it's nothing I wouldn't say if he wasn't in the room um, and we're going to look at what we can learn because when there's things in the Bible that are abrasive to us, that um, are confronting or frustrating or irritating, I think a lot of time in, in Western church culture we have um, Kind of beat ourselves with those things so for example when he says i've been content in all circumstances often we might say to ourselves well 
you know, Paul was shipwrecked, he was in prison, he's had really difficult circumstances. I need to be more content in mine, I should be more content. And you try and tell yourself, I should be more content. And you probably start beating yourself a bit with Paul's mold. I should be more content, I need to be more content. And I don't know about you, but I have never become more content by trying to make myself more content. Um, and quite often if we come up against those things, that will either cause us just not to change at all. Um, we might disengage when we come across something that's a bit difficult or a bit irritating or a bit frustrating. Or, you know, worst case scenario, we might completely not want to read parts of scripture because we don't really know how to engage with it or we don't feel that our feelings um, are valid in that situation, that we shouldn't feel the way we feel. So this morning, I'm going to let you in on how I might start to process something in the Bible that has irritated me um, and in the hope that that will give you a bit of confidence, a bit of encouragement to when you find scripture that is a bit abrasive to you, that you can engage in that with your emotions and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and shape you with that. Is that okay, Paul? That's him, that's him nodding. Okay, good. Right, you sit down for a minute. Um, so let's just think a second again about that friction. So if there's things that you come up against in the Bible um, that are that do cause you some friction, so it might be something Jesus has said, it might be something the way that somebody's acted, it might be some of the Old Testament scriptures that might seem a bit barbaric. So things like that, when we come up against that, it's so important that we engage with it. That Because when we engage with friction, then a shaping occurs. Think of sandpaper on you know a hard surface. When it's engaged with, when those two things engage, then a shaping and a moulding and a smoothing happens. And that's what we want from scripture. It's living, it's, it's emotional, it's powerful. And if we engage with it, then it can shape us and have long-term fruit. So that's my hope this morning, that we can um, engage with that friction and that journey. So when I was looking at this passage, I was actually reminded um, a few months ago, once uh, cafes had opened back up again, I had taken my two children, who are three and one, um, to this cafe. And we'd been for a muddy walk beforehand, um, and we went to this cafe that was all set up for child-friendly. Um, kind of, There was a few toys laid out, um, tables were even more spaced, and yeah, it was a good environment for children to be in. So we arrive and we're kind of given a table and we're sitting down there and I am trying to discourage my one-year-old from teething on the table leg whilst also apologising to a member of staff for bringing our muddy boots all the way through the cafe whilst also speaking to my three-year-old about why I'm apologising to the staff member and why it's not a kind thing to do to bring mud into to somebody's space. Um, so I'm kind of juggling all of this as you do. And I glance over and at the a nearby table, well, not too nearby, at least two metres, but at the next kind of table, there's a lady there and she's looking very content. She's sitting there, she's doing some crocheting. It looked very intricate, very beautiful, little crocheting something she was doing. And she just looked blissfully happy. And I thought to myself, oh, well, she obviously doesn't have children with her. Um, and, you know, that's wonderful, she can sit down, enjoy a hot coffee and enjoy a creative pastime. 
And then I glance over to the other direction and um, there's a dad over there and he has two similar age children to my children. One has just spilt a cup of water over herself and is now upset about that. And he's also holding the baby, which looks like there's contents of its nappy starting to leak down its leg. So I'm naturally feeling a little bit more affinity with the parent over there. Um, and as I'm trying to wrestle my one-year-old off the table leg, um, I notice that actually the lady across with the crochet does have children with her. And they are similar age to my children, but they are just a picture of serenity. They are just playing beautifully quietly by themselves. They're not being too loud. They're not getting in anyone's way. They are just a picture of serenity and she's happily crocheting and drinking a hot coffee. Now, at that moment, when I realized that she's essentially a mirror of me, I started to find her presence irritating. Now, that's not fair, that's not on her. She was doing absolutely nothing really to irritate me. But the reason it was a little bit abrasive was because I would love to be able to be in that situation. I would love to go to a cafe with my two children and be able to take, I don't know, watercolors, writing, um, origami, whatever you want to do. I would love to be able to do that, but I can't say that's true for my reality. And so that's a little bit irritating to have that right there, but it's not for you, or you can't say it's true for you. And that's what I feel when I read this passage, and that's what I feel about Paul in this moment. I'm a little bit irritated by him when he says, um, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to, to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I cannot say that's true for my situation. I cannot say that I have that level of contentment. I cannot say that no matter what the circumstances are doing, I am deeply content. Um, and so that's why I want to engage with that particular part, because that was a bit for me that was a little bit irritating for Paul to be able to say that about himself and it confronts something in you when it's not a truth for you, but you wish it was. Um, so because Paul, he's obviously writing this letter to the Philippians, um, in this passage, I am just going to look at what he said in that moment. Um, and he's speaking personally there. He's speaking, I have learned to be content. So he's speaking from a personal point of view. So I'm going to reflect that back personally on me um, and have a think about my personal contentment and situation. So if we're thinking of a scale of contentment and Paul being content, um, discontent might be over here. In any given day, week, month, hour, my contentment is probably wavering on this scale somewhere. Um, so I had another think about that and I thought, well, if my um, contentment is a very fluctuating thing, day-to-day -day contentment, um, so I appreciate that there may be kind of a deep soul contentment um, that really anchors you and carries you in your spirit. Um, I'm not going to look at that this morning. I'm just going to look, as Paul mentions, whether he's in want or in need. Those are more daily provisions. So I'm going to look at a daily uh, contentment, shall we say. So looking at my day-to-day, -day, uh, at the moment I'm a full-time parent to my two young children 
and obviously in this lockdown situation um, that's really my main focus is, is what I have every day um, ahead of me and so if you will that might be uh, my main priority it's my main mission of the day is to look after the children to make sure they're emotionally physically spiritually creatively well-being um, is met and ultimately obviously if people are happy and in a good mood that really helps so my uh, contentment might fluctuate on on different um, circumstantial elements if the weather's really bad and we can't get out to do some of the activities we wanted to then I'm gonna feel slightly more discontent with that if the children's moods aren't great that affects how I'm feeling about how the day is going um, so there's different variables that kind of influence that contentment. Now, if we look at Paul's life and Paul's character, he's a very um, extreme and wholehearted, single-minded personality. So we know he used to be Saul and he obviously persecuted uh, Christians. So he was very um, extreme um, in his ideology and in his mindset. And then he has this Damascus Road moment with Jesus and he has obviously a few days after where he is blind and silent. Um, I think that's probably the bit I like Paul the most when he's silent. No, I'm kidding. Um, and I would love to know what's going on though in those days after he's had that encounter. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a side. So he's quite an extreme personality. Then when he come, is healed, he comes out the other side of um, this kind of transformation, if you like. He obviously still, his personality is intact. He's still an extreme person, um, but now he's extreme for the gospel. Now he's extreme in, in pushing the gospel forward and making uh, the truth of Jesus known. And I know it's at that point that most of us are meant to feel that we're on the same team as Paul, that you know we need to like Paul but for me he's still an extreme character and that's quite unsettling um, for my personality type but if I'm gonna learn from Paul then I need to really engage with with who he is as well and in what um, what he's sharing about so when I'm engaging with this and I'm thinking right my level of daily contentment is really fluctuating Paul seems to um, have learnt a level of contentment in whatever the circumstances. So I'm going to start having a think about how Paul's daily life looks. And throughout the scriptures, we can read about him, particularly in his letters. One thing he always keeps repeating is the gospel going forth. So I am in chains, but the gospel is going forth, paraphrasing. Um, I am in prison, but it's going forth. All these things in every situation every circumstance the gospel is going forth it's like that's his mission that's his priority that's where he is anchoring a level of contentment too we could say so while in my daily life I'm anchoring a level of contentment to other people's moods to the weather to however I feel everything's going parenting um, he's anchoring something he's anchoring to a mission a priority each day that is outside of circumstance so again i'm going to self-reflect that back and i'm going to say okay paul how could i maybe apply that more in my life so i started having a think about what sort of mission statement i could come up with 
for my day-to-day -day, and that's going to change as my life changes as circumstances change but for now for my day-to-day -day, what mission statement could I come up with that is not going to be tied to external circumstances so I had a little think of it and um, played around with a few, few things but one thing I came up with was asking myself the question have I demonstrated love and patience today and if I can answer that question yes no matter what the circumstances are then that might be a good way for me to anchor some level of contentment to that just as I imagine Paul would ask himself the question, has the gospel gone forward? Has the gospel um, increased? Have people learned more about Jesus? Then I'm content in whatever circumstances I find myself. So that was one thing that as I was looking at this and engaging with the slight irritation I felt with Paul for kind of having this contentment or having it all together, um, that's one reflection I had on how I could start to anchor my contentment to something that is a bit deeper um, and a bit less fluctuating um, in my day to day. So I'd encourage all of you as well to have a think, what mission statement could you come up with for your day um, at the moment, how it looks, so that you might have a bit more of an anchor point um, and pray for God's strength in that, to strengthen you in that. Um, Paul goes on just at the end there, I can do all this through him who strengthens me. Ask for that strength. If you find that your emotions, your contentedness, whether it's a really deep contentedness or a day-to-day -day contentedness, is really fluctuating or, um, or yeah, you're just finding yourself really much more down the lower side of the spectrum and discontentment, ask for God's strength and insight into how you can anchor your contentment into something that is going to be fruitful for you. Now I um, also was reminded of a story when I was a teenager, well late teens, early 20s, when I was at university. I had nearly finished my degree, I was coming to the end of my degree which I did in creative writing and um, I was really seeking a kind of plan for the future, a purpose, a vision, what what God wanted me to do if you like um, and I remember having prayed quite a number of times like okay Lord what do you want me to do where should I go what am I good at all those sorts of things what opportunities should I go for um, and I just wasn't really getting anything back um, and I had lots of different ideas but nothing was really you know pulling me in that direction and I'd always really wanted uh, someone to just have this, you know, amazing word for me. Somebody to come forward and say, this is what God wants you to do. Uh, this is what you're, you know, anointed for and go forth. Um, maybe slightly unrealistically, but I always hoped that it would just be a very clear, obvious word. And I'd been involved in a church um, at university and I'd seen a few other people have prophetic words for people or have a scripture that really led them in a particular direction. Um, and nobody had ever had that for me. Um, and I guess I felt a little bit overlooked, um, a little bit like, yeah, you know, what am I going to do? And the church was holding a big conference um, and there was a preacher from the States coming over and there was hundreds of students there. There was also normal people. I mean, not that students aren't normal people, but you know, 
normal civilians um, of all ages uh, at the conference as well as students and um, so I went along to all of the main sessions and in one of the main sessions um, the preacher kind of stopped himself and I'll actually just apologize to Mike, to Becca, to any other Americans joining us this morning for my um, attempt at an American accent. I mean I feel like you always have to give it a go don't you? Gotta give an accent a go. So the preacher kind of interrupted himself and he said um, um, I just I'm really sorry I just have to like I just feel like I have a word for somebody here and so I'm sitting there thinking oh my goodness like he's just interrupted his own sermon Um, let it be me and obviously there's like a couple of hundred people and he um, he says um, I this is I feel this is really powerful for somebody here and I think it's for you and he points straight at me like right straight at me so I'm like oh my goodness okay and then he launches into this word and he says, um, I really feel that you are going to write books. You are going to write these amazing books. And obviously I'm studying creative writing. So I'm like, okay, great. I could do that. Um, you're going to write these things and they are going to bring so many people to the Lord. You're going to be a blessing to so many people. And he goes on and on and on. But it's a very kind of clear and amazing and wonderful vision. So inside I'm thinking, wow, I've got, you know, what I'd hoped for. Um, a big word and and not only just you know someone from church just coming towards me and giving me some encouragement it's just like you know someone from the other side of the world has come over and there's a word for me um, and he says um, I just don't want to just give you this word and, and not do anything with it I'm just gonna invite you up to the front here and I'm gonna pray for you commission you and we're gonna bless you tonight I think brilliant not only am I getting this amazing word but I'm gonna get prayed for so I go to get up out of my seat and as I'm getting up I realize that the girl behind me has gotten up and is going out to the front and he's saying to her yep yep come on up come on up and so I kind of reach down with my water bottle reshuffle myself in my seat and pretend that I had not thought that whole thing was for me when it wasn't and I had been so desperate for that word to be for me I, that I perceived him to be looking straight at me. I mean, in a big room, it's an easy mistake to make, I guess. Um, but he wasn't. He was speaking to her. And I found myself being filled with um, real bitterness. And I watched that girl go out and be prayed for. And, and I just felt like, why wasn't that for me? Like, why, you know, why have I been overlooked again? And... I also find myself thinking, well, she doesn't even do creative writing. What does she know about reading books? She's uh, writing books. She's like studying economics or something. Um, and I, I think I left at the next possible opportunity and I went home and I was just so upset. I was just really in floods of tears. And I just really said to God, like, come on. Like, I, I was embarrassed. I was, you know, I just felt so humiliated, even though I'm sure people didn't really realize what was going on. but. I still felt um, yeah, embarrassed and um, so I really just got down on my knees and I was just like, God, you know, please just give me something for my life. Um, and I just felt God just draw close and gently and quietly remind me. I just felt him remind me that Jesus died so that I could just speak with him and have that relationship with him. And I didn't need a preacher from the other side of the world who was a stranger to come over and give me a word for my life when the God of the universe who created me and knows me intimately is right there communing with me 
and able to lead me and shape me and guide me. And I just, from that moment, just felt massively affirmed um, in a personal relationship with God, that I didn't need to seek all these external things. I appreciate prophetic words and amazing things like that can be so encouraging, so edifying, but it should also always be a validation of what you're already experiencing and communing with the Spirit. And I just wanted you to encourage, to be encouraged this morning to open your Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to come speak to you personally, have that sacred moment with something that you find difficult in the Bible and emotionally engage with it and ask Holy Spirit, ask God how you can be shaped and move forward in that. And I'd encourage you, I really enjoy doing this process with no music on, no apps, no external sermons, no external stuff, just you and God, the Bible, sitting open, engage with your emotions, say out loud, Paul's irritating me here because he seems like he has it all together and I just don't. And then start to really embrace how you can be shaped with that friction. So I think that's all for me, from me for this morning. Uh, anything you want to say, Paul, before we go? No, I don't think so. What will we get up to now? Lunch? Okay, what do you like for lunch? He says he's content with anything. <laughs>